0: In this podcast, I'm sharing my passion and curiosity for soft robotics, where we share inspiring stories about the work we do and how we can push the limit. I am Mara Dweeney, and this is Soft Robotics Podcast. support for this show come from science robotics journal i really find science robotics to be a great resource for reliable and tangible research where we can really push the limit of the science we do in robotics great way to stay up to date with a published article is checking out the released monthly issue all the links will be included in each episode description we will also happen to have a regular conversation on the most published science robotic articles where also you can contribute with your question and thoughts about their research. Thanks Science Robotics for sponsoring Soft Robotics Podcast. I'd like to ask you first how you'd like to find who you are, for maybe the audience first time listening to you. Who you are? Um,
1: so I would consider myself as a, a material scientist uh, who is very interested in um, finding uh, I would say some material secrets from natural systems. Um, so we like to ask questions from uh, uh, natural uh, or biological materials uh, uh, systems uh, like shells, teeth, uh, bones. Um, so, yeah, um, material scientists uh, who is very interested in uh, nature. <laughs>
0: awesome. Actually, I found your research, to be honest, very interesting. And I'm really passionate about um, the design of different material classes that can give us certain functionality. And i may mean, I ask you at the beginning, when you look to evolution in nature, what kind of things do you think very inspiring to you that makes you work in what you do now in designing material? What kind of interesting stuff do you think very inspiring in nature?
1: Uh, yeah, there, there are many aspects, uh, I would say, but the most uh, uh, striking or most intriguing part is the is a complex three-dimensional structure at different length scales um, from biological materials. Mm. Um, so, if, for example, if you look at teas, um, our teeth is made of a very brittle, uh, very weak mineral, uh, hydroxyapatite. But um, but the teas can last for life long, right? For 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 our, we can use teas for for our life. Um, the reason is because it has a very complex internal microstructure which is where the uh, the mineral particles are are arranged in a very complex three-dimensional way. Um, so all the mineral rods are organized um, in, in, in a very complex interdigitating uh, fashion which gives the materials high strength and toughness. Um, um, this kind of uh, three-dimensional structural control currently cannot be achieved. Uh, I would say synthetically, so we cannot fabricate uh, those kind mm-hmm. of materials. Um, so that's always fascinating uh, to me uh, to look into how the structure is constructed, right? How, how, what is the final uh, microstructure uh, in three D? and how that structure is formed. So those are two different questions, right? What is the final form? And how that form uh, um, uh, achieved through the formation process? Um, and then finally, can we learn, uh, can we understand their design and um, and then fabricate or manufacture similar materials? So those mm-hmm. are, uh, I would say, the, the most intriguing question to me how nature uh, does that.
0: <laughs> and I also saw your work also in seashell, like inspiration from seashell. And also, you worked with, with Mark Myers, I, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, and Arbime Fish.
1: We, we didn't directly work with, uh, I didn't dir- uh, directly work with Mark Myers. Uh, he is an a ver- outstanding I'll say, uh, researcher in this area. Um, we, yeah, we uh, we studied their papers. Uh, we we looked, uh, So we have some overlaps in, in some areas, um, um, but currently we don't have direct uh, uh, collaboration.
0: And what is the secret when you look to, you mentioned the teas and also the seashell, you mentioned uh, also one you've researched seashells. What is the secret, for example, I found fascinating, for uh, bioma fish, for example, one of the toughest and flexible biological material, how you can combine something Tough and flexible, one structure. Yeah. What's the yeah.
1: secret? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that's um, that's a very specific. I would say very very good example how um, um where nature uh, does it very well, <laughs> combining <laughs> flexibility and protection. Um, so we have a work uh, uh, two years ago, I think, um, looking at how uh, a mollusk um. Uh, Con, uh, achieves flexibility and protection through a, a assembly of uh, ceramic scales. So, this mollusk, this seashell, is called chitons. Um, so, uh, it has eight plates uh, instead of one or two. You um, have eight overlapping plates, and uh, surrounding this large eight uh, plates, there uh, are a region or, or so called girdle. Which is uh, very soft, uh, covering the rim of this shell, and the, the girdle on top of the girdle is covered by the girdle scales. Those scales, it looks like uh, fish scales, but it is, uh, it's much thicker. Uh, it's completely mineralized. Uh, you have that means you have a very thick, very protective uh, uh, outer layer, top layer, but because of the scale, it's also very flexible. So i would say in general the um to achieve flexibility the um uh using scaled armor is is uh, a very common strategy in nature i mean that that's also true for some human armors right the uh, the chain uh the the male chain uh, the male uh uh armors right um Um, Yeah, using uh, discrete uh, uh, armor units uh, and then placed on a flexible substrate, I think this is a common strategy. There are also other, uh, I would say, strategies uh, where we're also investigating into, um, I think it's a a good placement of um, uh, hard and soft materials in the same system, where in that case you don't clearly see individual scales but you still see a district domains of hard and soft. Um, so there, there are very good examples of um from other systems. Um I'm not sure if you know um Dr. Mason Ding. Um, mm-hmm. he's a um he's um I would say evolutionary biologist, uh marine biologist, and also material science scientist. So his expertise is in um the shark uh, or cartilage-based uh, um, uh, uh, fish. Um, so, for example, in shark, their their cat their skeleton is made of uh, um, cartilage, mineralized cartilage. In that case, you have uh, highly mineralized domains embedded in the soft cartilage uh, matrix, and it allows some flexibility. But at the same time, those tiles, those hard tiles, can can uh, uh, can bump into like uh, get contact into each other when you bend or, or um, uh, mechanical load the structure. So it is both flexible and and, um, and hard. Uh, I would say we have some collaborations looking at the how the the um, the they often control the local mechanical properties within the individual tiles, where you can see uh, the animal really can control the mineral deposition in different positions to control the local mm. mechanical property in order to achieve this uh, flexibility as well as the, um, the rigidity at the same time.
0: Mm, interesting. So before we going to the building blocks you know, for this kind of a structure, hard and soft to achieve body armor or high toughness, I'm going to ask you, do you think in the field in general do, to exhibit physical intelligence? Should be through the material or architecture? Because we hear speak about architecture in a in a fascinating yeah. way. Yeah. To do yeah. intelligent behavior to protect the body. And yeah. which one's significant you mean, to you? Yeah, you
1: mean from from which which perspective? From the animal like from the organism perspective or from us. I I think this is um yeah this this is a great question we're we're uh, we're working on actually two review papers trying to address your question um so which one is important the, the 3d architectural design or the material itself or the intrinsic material itself right um we think both uh, at least from what what we uh, have seen uh, from the literature um Um, We think both. Uh, So nature uh, controls both the 3D architectural organization of the mineral building blocks. So they're organized in a complex way in teeth, in shells, in bones, um, in sponges, right? You always see very complex uh, internal microstructure in order to achieve uh, toughness. Uh, At the same time, if you look at the uh, intrinsic uh, microstructure of the individual building blocks, so now you just focus on the uh, the mineral building blocks, uh, individual building blocks, and the internal building microstructure is different from the, uh, let's say, the pure uh, calcium carbonate or hydroxyapatite uh, with, uh, or the ge- calcium carbonate. They are different. Uh, mm. uh, the, the, there, there are a lot of microstructure features, for example, uh, within the, the calcium carbonate mineral building blocks in seashells, you have... Um, example, so-called intracrystalline organic materials, where the uh, nanoscale organic uh, inclusions are embedded within the mineral matrix, and mm-hmm. um, you may also have some trace elements, a lot of uh, uh, mollusks incorporate, for example, calcium. Uh, uh, sorry, magnesium inside the calcium carbonate matrix. So you have a doped uh, calcite crystal. So that's true also for uh, and canoderms uh, like sea urchins, starfish, uh, they, they do that uh, very often. Um, you may also have other features, for example, some residue string within the mineral uh, building blocks. Uh, I would say that's also fascinating. Um, uh, yeah, a lot of others. Um, so at both uh, 3D structural level as well as the intrinsic uh, uh, crystalline level, uh, nature has, uh, I would say, tools. They have a toolbox to control this this structure features at these two different length scales, in order to to enhance the mechanical properties. So that's why, uh, if if you measure the mechanical properties of the biological calcite versus the geological calcite, they are different. Um, they are different uh, uh, pro- mechanical properties. Uh, mm. Yeah. So um, although uh, they look like the same, uh, they the. Um, I would say 99% of the composition is calcium carbonate. (laughs) But uh, the mechanical properties are different.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I just ask you about the building blocks. There's a combination now of soft and hard and this weaker connection to do this trick to protect the body. But when you look to different creatures or even in inspiration, what is the right combination? Do you think because I don't know if you agree, we don't have like um, methodology. What is the ratio for the stiff bar to soft bar? What is the right ratio to maintain this rigidity and also do the trick as well? I don't know how do you see this combination ratio? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: So I think this really depends on the functional requirements. Um, So for example, if you look at our teeth, right? So the the top part is enamel. so a lot of uh, the majority, ninety nine percent of the enamel is mineralized. So there are very minimal amount of organics. Uh, but if you look at the inner side, which is denting, um, so it's less mineralized. Um, uh, so the it's almost like a ben, uh, like a bone, right? So the mineral contents for bone is about seventy percent in terms of weight. Um, so the the reason is because uh, for the enamel, you want to have uh, very hard, very, very, wear resistant resistant uh, property uh, because it's direct contact, uh, let's say, with with food. Um, where denting provides the uh, a cushion for uh, provides uh, accommodation for deformation, right? Um, and also other biological functions, maybe for for uh, for heating or for for uh, sensing, right? So in that case, um in different requirements uh will will control our will dictate the the mineralization degree. The same the same is true for I would say for uh other biological materials, uh for mollusks. Uh, most of the mollusks, if you look at the naked structures, is um roughly 95% is is mineral. Um, um 5% is organics. Um Right. So, in that case, you have uh, high mineral content in order to achieve uh, high uh, strength. Um, mm-hmm. But um, if you look at the, uh, s- some other shells, uh, like the external layer of, uh, let's say, abalone shell, which is uh, prism based, um, so in that case, the organic uh, content is even less in order to achieve the uh, aberration resistance or wear resistance. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I would say depending on the function. Um, and another, I would say, good example is, um, so a couple of years ago when I was still a uh, postdoc uh, at Harvard, we discovered um, a, a mollusk, uh, which is also a chitin. Uh, that chitin, uh, that particular chitin has uh, has eyes uh, embedded on their shells. So so meaning that you have <laughs> a minimized shell, uh, equipped with uh, many, many small eyes. Those eyes are made of minerals. Uh, so that's very different from like our uh, other uh, eyes in nature. Uh, it's made of aragonite, a, a form of calcium carbonate. So the same mineral for, um, made for the, for the shell. But if you look at the microstructure of the eye versus the normal shell, the eye is, is highly mineralized, very minimal amount of organics. It's almost like a single crystal. Although there are some some misorientations, but um, it's, it's highly mineralized. The reason for that is um, um, you reduce the the um, the amount of a secondary phase, right? So you don't have organics to cause the optical scattering, right? So that the light can go through the lens, which is very homogeneous, um, so that they can focus the light to form an image. So that depends on that particular optical requirement in order to. Uh, to have that low organic content mineral versus the normal uh, shell where you want to have protection, right? So um, it depends on the, the functional requirement, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. Excellent. I think also another interesting um, point about damage localization. Damage localization. Oh, yeah. How it happens yeah. to localize the damage? To, if you can explain it's like arresting damage and make it in one area, right? That's that what you mean about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How it happens. So,
1: yeah, um, I was in general when when you when the material uh, uh, respond to a mechanical loading, right? Especially in a in a like high speed or impact loading, you have the material need to uh, deform uh, in order to uh, dissipate the, the kinetic or mechanical energy uh, input from let's say the projectile or from the impact, right? Mm-hmm. So that means the material need to deform. Uh, undergoing through the the so called energy dissipation process to 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 absorb that amount of kinetic energy so there there are different ways right so you may have a material which can, uh, can which can uh let's say uh, undergo a large area of deformation so that the energy can dis- can be dissipated in a large volume a large area uh, so that's good to in terms of dissipating uh the the amount of energy because you involve more material to absorb that material, uh, that energy. But you, for some uh, uh, applications, you want to localize that damage um, while you absorb the energy, especially for, for, let's say, a transparent armor, right? You don't want to have the entire transparent window to be uh, damaged because you cannot see through. So at that, for that particular application, you want to localize the damage and also uh, uh, absorb energy. Um, so the, one of the works uh, that we did, uh, that we discovered in the, in the C-shell, um, uh, the way that the, that particular shell, Placuna placenta, um, how it, it achieves that this, uh, this uh, I would say, energy absorption and def, uh, damage localization is through their nanoscale deformation mechanisms, particularly through so-called deformation training. So this deformation turning is, is, a, is a mechanism where the crystal can shift its orientation under loading. So when you, when there's an impact or where the indentation coming into the material, the crystal will shift its orientation to forms uh, 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 the turning boundaries. Those turning boundaries, uh, you can consider them as a barriers in the crystal. So those, those barriers will uh, contain the def- uh, deformation, so it will restrict the propagation of the uh, damage into larger area. At the same time, those twinning can absorb energy. It can also um, uh, induce other type of deformation mechanism. For example, uh, when twinning happens, it can open up the the layers between the minerals uh, slightly. Through this process, it can uh, start to Stretch the organic materials between the mineral layers to to absorb more energy. So this deformation twinning acts as a barrier at the same time um, dissipate energy and also catalyze uh, other types of uh, look nanoscopic or microscopic uh, energy absorption mechanisms. So that's why this particular shell is very effective in terms of. uh, absorbing energy as well as localizing the damage. Um, particular shell. Um, we there are also uh, other uh, in this particular shell. There are other mechanisms, um, which is also uh, I would say very important. Uh, in, in another work, we we uh, we discovered that um, this shell is not a simple laminate. Um, I I I have to uh, ping pong that. Uh, racket. So usually, when you have a, a layered uh, composite, right? So you have one layer uh, stacked on top of each other, and then uh, you you get a, a laminate structure, right? Um, so when you have this this kind of material, um, the uh, the deformation can easily go through the interface because the interface is usually weaker. So that means in this case, uh, the damage can uh, can uh, propagate into a large area. That's not good. That's actually a big issue for fiber composite. Usually, people talk about delamination, right? Delamination meaning that the interface between the laminate start to open, start to to fail. So in this shell, in this placuna placenta shell, so the the layers uh, are not a simple uh, simply stacked on top of each other. Instead the adjacent layers are merged into uh, into the their adjacent ones um, through what we call connection centers. So those connection centers are actually a uh, 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 mineral structures which uh, where you can consider the two layers are grown together. Uh, so then you can imagine that uh, when the cracker propagates through the interface, when the cracker encounters a connection center, it has to be stopped or it has to break the layer in, in order to continue to, to, to propagate. And and with that, then um, the, the damage can be localized. Right. So, um, at the same time, it can dissipate energy through the crank, through the, uh, the interfacial opening and then deflects through, uh, to another layer. So it involves more material to, to deform in the localized area. So this is a very effective in terms of uh, uh, really localize the damage as well as uh, absorbing energy. We we made um, some bio-inspired um, uh, laminate structures, uh, which is still ongoing. But you can clearly see this kind of uh, design can can localize the damage um, very effectively.
0: But I'm just asking about the design process. How do you approach the design process? If you have this kind of I don't know if you have any other examples you still in your mind that it's really hard to design that in the lab or in the material level. Yeah. And what is the strategy to think about the design process? How do, for example, damage localization is very interesting, the way the delamination, the void. What's the design process for you to think about the problem and how to approach design?
1: Yeah, so I think there are a couple of uh, aspects that we definitely need to keep in mind when we... So-called translating what we learn from biological system to a uh, uh, real material system. Um, so, first of all, uh, I would say um, we cannot uh, f- uh, just completely copy um, what 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 we saw in, in uh, biological systems. Um, first of all, it's it's very hard um, uh, to copy different length scales structural features. Um, it is almost impossible um, at this moment. Uh, second is um, um, it's very very costly to to, to do that uh, to to copy different lens scale from nano to to to, to 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 microscopic. So if that that means we have to select we have to be very uh, selective in terms of copying which structural feature you uh, we think is most effective. Um, and the other uh, aspect uh, that we need to consider, I think, is to, uh, we need to uh, consider the scalability or ma- manufacturability. Um, now, I would say with, uh, with 3D printing, right, so people can, can easily uh, realize or materialize um, different kind of uh, designs. Um, but the real question is, um, is that material, uh, let's say 3D printed, really uh, useful? or can we really use that materials for, for practical applications? So how does that compare with conventional structural materials? Let's say steels or concrete or wood, for example, right? Uh, it's it's good to demonstrate the design ideas as, uh, with modeling, with 3D printing. But um, we, we also need to think about is it really uh, applicable for practical applications? In that case, um we have to uh, in my opinion uh it' be it will be nice to combine the design strategies with some established or or more conventional fabrication method so that you can directly utilize the the established processing uh, to make a materials which can be potentially uh, uh, useful or, or, or used in real applications instead of for uh, for. Uh, demonstration. Uh, of course, the, it, it, there 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 um, there are significance in terms of, uh, for dem- demonstration. Right? You wanted we can uh, understand the design principles. But for real applications, uh, in my opinion, uh, it'll be it'll be <coughs> nice to, to to combine the design lessons that we learned from nature with some uh, um, um, some well established fabrication. Um, so we are we're trying to work on that for example we we use um uh, uh the the, uh, the 3d printing combined with uh centrifugal go casting so casting is a very very uh traditional method uh, of fabricating uh, metal based uh, materials um uh, so we're we're working on that um we're also using slip, slip casting uh to make ceramic materials those is also very traditional processing um, so those those process uh, technologies are very very uh, well established. Uh, you can make a very large materials structures. If we can uh, so-called reinvent uh, those those methods by incorporating some some design strategies that we learned from nature, then we can maybe produce some some materials which can can be immediately used. So that's our goal, I would say. Uh, for, for, in terms of uh, bio-inspired uh, fabrication. Great.
0: I don't know if you have encountered maybe any architecture or design in nature and maybe sound is useless to you and after that you figure out that was very interesting and maybe because sometimes that's a counterintuitive intuitive um, vision that maybe this is useless but then you figure out that has a deep meaning in this way there's design or architecture maybe in evolution in nature only in a work you did
1: um yeah I, I think um when whenever I have those kind of uh, uh situations I, I I would tell myself that oh i I don't fully understand the problem yet <laughs> so um, um but i I do think yes in nature there are some uh, some uh, structural features maybe um they're not that uh, mechanically significant. People tend to, um, I mean, in our field, right? So we tend to observe tr- uh, observe a structure and then uh, look at their mechanical properties and then try to make a link, right? Make a link between this structure and and a property. Um, but but um, in this process, uh, sometimes we we tend to, um, I I would say, too focused on this on this relationship, right? But uh, in, in in reality, um maybe this structural feature is not for a mechanical purpose, right? So mm-hmm. so this link may be not that strong. Um maybe that structural feature is for other fun, maybe it's just a, a remnants of a group. Um so in this case um um I would say uh, this kind of relation, uh, structure-property relationship, um, is, is not that strong. Maybe we just don't fully understand the problem. Um, so we, uh, we 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 uh, have a work uh, looking at the uh, the mechanics-optics uh, coupling between uh, uh, in, in a in a skeleton of a, a of a bug. Uh, this beetle is called a, a flower uh, flower beetle. Um, it, you know the the, the beetle is usually very colorful, right? And it has this uh, this uh, elytra very colorful. But at the same time, those uh, skeleton uh, need to provide protection for the animal. Uh, so arthropods, the, the the beetle, they don't have internal bones. They have the external, um, so called exoskeleton, to protect themselves. So now you have a, you have a. a, a Du- at least dual scale, uh, dual dual functional requirement, mechanics and optics. Then the mm. question is, if you look at the microstructure, right? So is is this structure going, uh, optimized for mechanics, or, or or if we just focus our discussion in the mechanics, maybe we will reach a conclusion that oh, this structure is is great for for mechanics. But but maybe that's not true, right? <laughs> that's not the full picture. Um, so, so in this work, we, uh, we, we look at uh, how this structure uh, uh, features affect both mechanics and optics. And so we found that, oh, this structure may be more, in, during the evolution, maybe it's more optimized in terms of optics instead of mechanics. Um, so this kind of study, I think, is, is important uh, to look, look at the biological materials in different perspectives. Um, because in general, I would say biological materials are intrinsically mm-hmm. multifunctional, um, so they're not produced for a single purpose um so so that will dictate and will will, will make it will have direct influence uh, in terms of how the material is constructed so maybe a structural feature is is useless here right um, but um but m- maybe is it's critical <laughs> in, in, yeah. that, in in another aspect. So um, and and uh, and in this problem, I I was consider this problem is open, right? So we we uh, we don't know we are not the the algorithm we we cannot to um, derive uh optimization function for that animal. <coughs> we don't know which one is more important. Um, there are also a hidden <laughs> functional requirements. So. Um, yeah, um, it's hard to, 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 to make this relationship, uh, to say, oh, this structural feature is for this, it's great for this. Um, um, yeah, we, we need to be aware of this.
0: <laughs> another example in that case, because sometimes if you work on something, it opens you to interesting explanation and theory that maybe you weren't aware yeah. of. There's also other yeah. examples
1: currently um uh, we we're we very interested in porous materials uh, in the group uh, how nature makes uh, um, lightweight porous materials um i would say um uh, nature is is a great uh in terms of this making very complex porous structure it, it goes back to uh, Hook, right? Uh, Hook's very, very first microscopic uh, uh, view of uh, of some some structures from nature, including some wood, right? So the, um, he draws those cellular structures from the wood. Um, so the, and then later on, we have a very, uh, very comprehensive uh, work from uh, Ashby and Gibson, looking at the different types of wood, their cellular structures. Um, how wood is able to be uh, so lightweight but it's strong and, 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 and tough. So we have been uh, uh, trying to continue the study uh, on biological cellular materials uh, by looking at um, a special group where they have um, high mineral content. Um, so so wood um, it is a cellular material, but is uh, entirely organic, entirely polymeric. Um, in that case, uh, is primarily composed of cellulose. So we are interested in um, porous materials uh, uh, made of minerals. Uh, so there, there are mo- there are there are not many uh, examples in nature in comparison to let's say the wood or plants, but but there are some some excellent, I would say. <laughs> excellent examples of uh, how nature make a complex biomineral structures. Uh, so mm. the examples include uh, sea urchins uh, and canoderms, sea urchins, starfish. Um, we also look at the, uh, the cuttlefish, uh, the, the internal skeleton mm. of cuttlefish, which is called a bone, which is a highly porous material. Um, and also uh, yeah, starfish um, sponges, um, uh, which is silica-based a porous material. Um, we have made some, some good uh, uh, discoveries uh, in, in this area. Um, how nature make porous, uh, but um, mineralized structure, uh, which is stiff and, and, and tough, because uh, this is very challenging actually uh, in, in engineering. How do you make a ceramic porous materials which is damage tolerant? Uh, The the challenge is that um, the mineral or the ceramic is very brittle, and and when you make the when you make ceramic porous, um, very often you are going to have a lot of defects, um, uh, notches, uh, surface roughness inside the structure. So that's why um the the uh, porous ceramic material are very very weak very very brittle um that's why in packaging let's, uh, we use foams we uh, w- those are usually uh, polymer based or sometimes metal based we never use ceramic po- ceramic foams for For packaging, for cushion, no. (laughs) Although uh, ceramic ceramic foams is is good, for example, it's very high temperature resistant. It's very stable. But it's just too weak. Um, um, But nature, um, like uh, sea urchins, uh, starfish, uh, or cuttlefish, they they make very strong and damage-tolerant ceramic uh, foams. Um, the reason is because they have they have very nice control in terms of their microstructure, in terms of their porosity, um, and also of course the internal microstructure. Uh, for example, mm. the the cattle bone. the cuttlefish um, is a is a great uh, model system for bioinspiration, right? People study their skins, study their their swimming, uh, study their their eyes, and. Um, uh, but here we study their skeleton <laughs> so uh, so they, inside of the cuttlefish there's a skeleton uh, mineralized very very stiff skeleton um, it's called a cuttle bone um, and and a cuttlefish is is a is a shell it's a mollusk, a mollusk is not a, it's not a fish uh, but but its shell is inside, so that uh, so it's internal it's different from other mollusks um, and that's called cuttlebone. That cuttle bone is very porous, and ninety-three of ninety-three percent of the of the structure is uh, is hollow. And um, and inside this hollow structure, um, the animal can control the uh, water in and out into this uh, structure, so that it can control the relative density of this porous structure, and hence the the entire body. So that it. Cuttlefish can go up and down in the water column to go up and deep, uh, so it's it's uh it's almost like a uh, swimming blender, like a blender f- uh, for fish, but it's just uh, just a rigid blender. Um, so the people call this uh, rigid buoyancy tag. Uh, this is like a submarine, right? So it can control the uh, <laughs> the, the 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 relative density to go up and down. Um, and then you can imagine that this structure needs to be very stiff because you have a very high water pressure uh, uh, which can potentially implode this this hollow structure, right? If it's not strong, it's just crushed by the water pressure. Right? So, uh, so it, it has a very intriguing uh, complex internal structure where you have the layered, uh, it's like a, a multi-story floor, multi-story building. So you have uh, floors, uh, ceilings, and pillars uh, of the walls to support uh, the ceilings. Um, of course, they're all in the microscopic level. Then the uh, uh, the way the, the animal designed the walls is, is very, very uh, intriguing. It's not like the wall that we have, where you have a uh, uh, straight uh, from bottom to top. Um, it's almost like that, but there are modifications. So the walls are, 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 are curved um, and wavy, and it has a complex pattern. Um, and also, the, the wall, uh, they change their orientations from the, the floor to the ceiling. Uh, by doing that, it can control the stress distribution within the structure uh, so that uh, if, if the stress level is, is too high, it can control the location of failure. Um, Um, primarily in in the middle of the wall so it it doesn't happen at the ceiling or at the at the bottom or at the floor so in the middle of the wall so that uh, the ceiling and and the floor are still intact and then if the stress is still high enough it can uh, compress the ceiling to the floor Um, and in this case it can protect the 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 ceiling on the floor because each each story or each chamber is completely sealed from the nest, uh, from from the adjacent chamber. That means, if this chamber, if this floor, the uh, floor seven is is broken, then floor six is still okay. It's still in yeah, so it still can hold the 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 uh, the gas, uh, to to provide the the uh, buoyancy. It doesn't collapse the entire building. So that's that's very clever. Um, so, uh, we, yeah, we have been looking at their uh, their structure and uh, their mechanics, how they uh, they they are able to achieve this uh, damage tolerance with with mm-hmm. uh, a very high mineral content. This structure is completely I was, completely made of aragonite. Um, several percent of organics, so very brittle material, <coughs> but very damage tolerant.
0: I'm blown away by your description. I wasn't really aware of the details, but the way you describe it, I think we have we have episode about cuttlefish. All the details because it's oh, very, yeah. very inspiring. I wasn't really aware how it's really so beautiful and intricate yeah. and complex, intelligent. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. It's is. Uh, I think it, I was this is the excellent example showing how nature is able to uh, to control the structure of very simple. Uh, uh material, starting material. Right. If you if you look at the aragonite creature from nature, from geology, those are very like prisms, like uh red usually red color uh, prisms like structure, very simple, um, very brittle. But uh but somehow <laughs> we're we're interested in their formation as well. But um yeah y- y- they they form this very complex uh, structure. So that they, they have this mechanical uh, properties as well as uh, the uh, uh, the fluid uh, property, right? So the this structure need to be open uh, in the sense that um, it allows the fluid to go inside of the structure, uh, so that it can control the relative density. Um, so th- th- there are multiple requirements uh, in inside of this structure. If you look at the the bone in different areas, they have a different structural design. We think that maybe the because um, in different regions uh, the the functional uh, hierarchy or the importance of different functions are are different. Uh, maybe in this in the opening region, it's more important for the fluid transport. So you so the structure need to guide the, the flow of the fluid. But in the in the majority, or in the later in the in the, in the posterior part, maybe is is more uh, important for the uh, mechanical strengths. Um, it's it's, uh, it's amazing. Uh, look at those kind of structures.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Maybe follow up question here about the design because when we just try to design structure structure like that, do you think we have to go to the smallest scale and do this kind of complex design, when we go into the continuum level, because there is two ways to do that, either in the material level or just going to structure. In that case, do you think, um, to which one could be effective or giving or maybe it's, oh, both are the same? I don't know what you think.
1: Yeah, so I, I think it's very hard to answer uh, the question which one is more important. Um, uh, for example, uh, um, when we talk about energy absorption, uh, uh, of a uh, material um, it's hard to decouple the material level and uh, composite level or the actual uh, architectural level um, uh, w- what what is the contribution from each uh, each level it's very hard to decouple that um, i in my opinion i I think it is uh, uh, is, is is beneficial to look at both? Um, so both mm. levels um, are important, and it's definitely worth to 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 uh, investigate. But um, the challenge challenge is how do how do you bring uh, the two together? Um, we we in the in the in the research field, uh, we have uh, excellent works in in uh, in this both both directions, right? Um, people can fabricate uh, uh, bio-inspired minerals uh, uh, for example calcite uh, calcite crystals incorporating some some organic materials inside um, uh, those show those have been shown uh, to have good mechanical properties in compared in comparison to uh, pure calcite uh, on the compo- composite level there are a lot of works to show that uh, if you make uh, for example nacre like structures or bone-like structures they have uh, better mechanical properties. that kind of work um, the um, the uh, the uh, the, uh, the control the, the structural control at the individual building block level is le- less considered right so combining the two, uh, will be, will be, uh, will be um, uh, beneficial. I think that's one of the directions uh, in, in our field, we should uh, definitely look into that.
0: Since we uh, close to the end, I have a few questions. Maybe the first one I think in soft robotics we speak about, should we design the whole soft robot soft completely? And if it is rigid, you still call soft robotic. Or... It's kind of a debate in the field. But I'm just ask you, when you look to evolution, some creatures already fully soft and and easily damaged and why do you think this kind of selection of the seashell have this combination hard and soft to do the trick to say to make the protect themselves and also the fish and etc and some creature fully soft and easily damaged do you think there's a reason for that
1: <laughs> this is a very hard question so uh like the evolutionary advantages of uh, of uh, armor right having a hard armor or skeleton i i would say uh, definitely there there is uh, there there in my opinion right so uh, i'm not an evolutionary uh, expert but in my opinion there are there 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 are advantages of having hard skeletons um hard protective armors um um so that's why, uh, in my opinion, that's why you have this uh, in the Cambrian uh, period, right? You have this uh, sudden explosion of uh, of, a- of animals or organisms which d- start to develop hard uh, uh, tissues. Um, mm-hmm. So there should be a, a evolutionary pressure or selection pressure of having those uh, armors. Um, in terms of the context of a soft robotics, uh, in my opinion. Um, um i think it will be beneficial to incorporate the hard elements uh, into the uh into the uh, uh so-called body inspired soft robotics um because uh there 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 are many there are a lot of uh, examples of that in in nature for example if you look at um if you look at the, uh, the starfish uh, right starfish eh, you can consider is as a, it's pretty soft it's is pretty sloppy um um, it, it can move, right? Um, but 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 inside the starfish skeleton, uh, inside the starfish body, there's a, there's a skeleton system which are made of uh, hard um, uh, mineralized particles. Uh, those are called ossicles. So those ossicles uh, are assembled uh, inside this soft body. And, and, and each particle uh, are are connected with the soft fiber so that the fiber can, can 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 regulate or control the movement of, of the relative most uh, position of the individual particles and then uh, once the uh, and also the animal has a capability of uh, of locking the position of the particles by uh, through a chemical process uh, on the fibers so the fiber can stiffen um the the uh, themselves once they let's say if you hold the uh, starfish um the starfish become very rigid so it's it's, it's very rigid because in that case uh, the the fibers are are stiffened uh, through through a chemical process mm. so you get a a a very good transition from ability to a rigid uh, architecture so um in my opinion, very often uh, uh, robotics need to achieve this uh, this 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 uh, uh, functionality, right? Uh, sometimes you want to move, you want to squeeze into a hole. In that case, you, you want a relative motion um, mm-hmm. of the material. But sometimes you want to grab something. Uh, or I'm not a ro- ro- robotics person, but that's just based on my uh, understanding. So um, having a capability of trans uh, translating from a soft to hard, I think is beneficial. And nature does that through a combination of soft and hard material.
0: So another question about, I think, about the dead fish swimming upstream. The question is how certain structure like that without any brain can exhibit intelligence through coupling the geometric nonlinearities of the fish and the material nonlinearities in the environment. How do you see the coupling of geometric and material non-linearities without a brain to achieve interesting functionality or behavior like the fish swimming upstream?
1: It's, it's a great question to, to think about, right? So how uh, uh, a behavior, how a certain behavior, uh, plus some, some structures, um, um, how to achieve uh, a, a particular biological uh, let's say a mo- locomotion or a protective mm-hmm. reaction yeah we 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 have seen uh, for example the the, the example uh, that i uh, shared the uh, the chitin which has eyes right so yeah. um the, the we uh, we have a biologist uh, biology collaborators um daniel Spider um Dr. Spider, he, he conducted uh, behavioral studies to show that uh, the animal can react. Uh, if you play, uh, place the object on top of the animal, the animal can react to clap onto the substrate so that it can protect uh, from dislodging from the, from the well. rocks. Yeah, it's it's intriguing. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I don't know uh, whether mm-hmm. a mollusk um, like a shell has a brain or not, right? So, but but um, yeah. somehow uh, the through the eyes it sees the object, it triggers some reaction, right? So um, and, and in this case, the the eyes there there are hundreds of eyes distributed in the shell. So mm-hmm. how the animal processes the information, right? Uh, maybe some eyes see the object, or some eyes are not right. So, is there a threshold of uh, of a triggering? Right. So, uh, do I need to have three, at least three eyes, to see the object in order to trigger the reaction or not? So, yeah, mm-hmm. they, that that that's kind of uh, like uh, the 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 integration of the material and the animal behavior. And also the geometry, yeah, like you said, the the geometry. So the the animal has a like uh, a, a, almost like a dome like structure. So the eyes are pointing to different directions. Um, so how those inform- uh, those different aspects are integrated to uh, and finally lead to the animal behavior response? I yeah, that's 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 a great great direction. I I would say. Um, currently, um, we don't have. Uh, um, too much work on that, but uh, yes, uh, this this is a great uh, to really look at the uh, like the rules of life, right? So how 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 nature um, processes the information through uh, different uh, structures.
0: Um, I just ask you what could be other challenges. You mentioned fabrication at the beginning that how it's hard really to get certain design exactly intricate like the nature. For you, what other challenges the fabrication? What are the key challenges you think we need to give more attention? Maybe in the field, we need to more do more in this direction. Um,
1: there, there, one challenge in, in my opinion is the um, it's always a balance of uh, um, when we look at the biological materials. It's always a, a trade off between uh, in depth and the and also the broadness. Um, so currently, we're very good at um, looking at one system in a very detail. Right. So uh, mm. from nanometer scale up to the macroscopic scale, and and what are the mechanical properties uh, correspondingly. Um, but um, there, there are a lot of systems. There, there are a lot of organ, uh, organisms in, in nature. Um, uh, how can we increase the stretch uh, throughput of uh, of of conducting this kind of research uh, I think th- this is uh, this is a very big challenge uh, for me because um um I think it will be beneficial to to compare different let's say different model systems right uh, there are shell structures um uh, not superficially but um in a very detailed way uh, from from uh, small scale to the uh, upper scale and I think mm-hmm. there there there's significance to that in both in terms of uh, um by inspired design uh, and also from evolution, right? So, is there a pattern uh, um, in terms of microstructure, right? So, we see the phylogeny, uh, we can we can look at it from the genetic point of view, right? But um, on the material level, right? On the material level, um, uh, how, how a particular struct microstructure is converged or diverse uh, diversified, I think that that's. That that's fascinating to 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 do, but it's it's a great challenge, right? So how can we can we increase increase this threshold? Um, can we can we do electron microscopy for thousands of species very very effectively? Um, so that's a big challenge. Um, the the other challenge um, I think is um, is really how how nature how organisms produce uh, uh or control the structure in 3D can we monitor uh, uh or track uh, the uh, the evolution of the microstructure in 3D in real time so now we we're we're very, very good at in studying the final fully formed structures right uh, we know mm-hmm. nacre is a brick and mortar structure we know bone we know but, but how the structure is formed uh, in, in, in real time, in three, especially in 3D, can we track that? Um, at the building block level, how individual building blocks are deposited, how they grow, how they merge, how they assemble. Um, I think that that's important um, uh, in terms of uh, uh, bio-inspired processing. Can we follow uh, uh, the, the similar uh, uh, growth process to make bio inspired materials uh, I mean this this is this is this is a, a big challenge uh, the, the, the there's another challenge in my opinion is um, a, um, a quantitative a 3d uh, um, description of uh, materials is also a, a big challenge um, And this is not just for biological materials for for, for synthetic for engineering materials um, characterizing the material in 3D, quantitatively. Can, can we track, uh, can we m- m- uh, measure, for example, the distribution of the grain orientations uh, in, in a bulk, m- bulk material? Um, uh, what, what is the geometry of the individual uh, grains? What, what is the what is structure between the grain boundaries? So the, the same, uh, uh, same questions apply for biological materials. Uh, and, and, and it's even more complex, I would say, for biological materials. You have a complex building block, um, organized in, in 3D. Um, how can we uh, uh, study their structure uh, in, uh, quantitatively? For example, the the nacre, right? The nacre mm-hmm. uh, is a very common. It, it, apparently, it's a very simple structure, right? So you have uh, mineral layers uh, stacked on top of each other, but uh, there are more. Uh, there's more uh, subtle. Uh, designs uh, in, uh, than that, right? So, so each tablet they, ha- they 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 have a different geometries. The surface uh, there is not smooth, right? Uh, the alignment of the of the uh, the alignment of the adjacent uh, mineral uh, building blocks, all right? So those kind of information in three D in bulk level is is uh, is lacking. Uh, we we don't have a good way. Uh, to do that uh, it's very challenging they're in the microscopic level um, they're complex in 3d um, they're fully mineralized um, you don't have a good contrast less if you use for example uh, micro CT you will not be able to see the contrast between the individual building blocks because they're is just so close they're just completely mineralized there's there's no contrast so that that's a big big uh, uh, big limitation, uh, big challenge. Uh, if we cannot fully understand how the structure is constructed in 3D, I don't think um, we can effectively mimic those structures. Uh, not mentioning uh, so, some very complex, for example, there are some some st- structures, they have a complex helical fibers mm. and, uh, assembled together. Uh, so that's much more complex than a simple brick and mortar. Uh, how the fibers are assembled in, 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 in 3D, uh, it's, it's uh, yeah, it, we don't know.
0: <laughs> it's very interesting. Maybe I lost a lost question about the growth in um, material. How do you see combining biological material that has functionality to grow and heal with absolutely artificial material or passive material? How do you see we can combine biological material with passive or maybe smart material? Do you think how this can be done to the growth feature, for example? I think that something we speak about cost. Uh, some people speak about cost. It's, it's still a challenging to know to do material that grow.
1: Yeah, I think that that's a the great great uh, I was great direction to go um, in, in terms of combining the two. Um, so there there are definitely limitations, right? So. Um, in terms of the potential applications of these kind of materials. um, um, Can we grow a material which can directly used for structural applications uh, if we compare uh, with concrete or other kind of material? I think there are definitely limitations. But for other, for example, maybe for biomedical uh, (coughs) applications um, or other applications, it it, it may have a great potential. In terms of uh, how to how to utilize? You know, how to construct this this platform, right? Uh, combining biology, uh, 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 biomerization with uh, some synthetic. Yeah, I think there is, there is some potential if if we can uh, uh, harness uh, the uh, say some biomerization uh, organisms, uh, for example, some bacteria, or, um, maybe some some. Uh, I don't know. These some some sponges or some animals, uh, in terms of the, the if they have the capability of biomimicry and then combine with, uh, I say a 3D printed scaffold, right, and then you can regulate uh, where the mineral uh, is deposited, um, how how the mineral is deposited. Uh, I think that yes, that that will be uh, that would be definitely uh, uh, beneficial. Then you can produce a material almost automatically, right? Without uh, without, uh, uh external control. Um this is great. Yeah this is great. But um yeah I haven't seen too much work on here but yeah this is this is great. So you you get uh you 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 harness the 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 uh, uh, autonomous growth um and also self-healing of the biology, biology aspect, but at the same time, you definitely control or guide the the formation for a particular application. Um, yeah, I, I think that that's that's uh, people have done uh, some some simple forms. For example, people can harness the. Um, uh, sea urchin uh, embryonic cells uh, which can autom- uh, s- s- which can uh, form minerals in in vitro um, but um, that those materials uh, those biomans are not um, for a particular application purpose. And so those studies are primarily. Uh, motivated by looking at how the minerals are deposited, how the minerals are formed, but how can we harness those processes to make functional materials? It's yeah, a great, uh, great direction to go. Um, yeah, very, very good. Very, very good point. Yeah.
0: So, final question: What is your aspiration? Yeah, and what you do? What is next? What's your aspiration?
1: Um, my, asp- I would say it's a it's a question, right? So it's it's the it's the um. Whenever I, I you look at a a plant, an animal, a skeleton, um, the for me is uh. I always ask why, right? Why, how, how the structure is constructed? Uh, why the this is in this form? Um, mm you can find uh, uh, a research question in almost any uh, systems um, surrounding you. Uh, so this is, uh, this is why I think um, the research in this field, in this sort of bio- biological bio-inspired materials, I think this is why it's so uh, attractive to me. Um, mm. There are endless uh, questions, actually. There are endless questions that you can ask. Um, uh, so, whenever I walk in, into my yard, um, you can you can just walk, you can look at, for example, the pine cones, the flowers, <laughs> uh, the honeybees, right? So, there, there are a lot of questions that you can ask. Um, um, how nature uh, makes uh, those functional materials with simple, uh, simple materials, simple minerals, uh, simple organics. Um, so, yeah, it, it keeps me uh, thinking Um, so there there are a lot of questions and um, the more (laughs) you look and the more uh, questions will come up right so uh, you study fish uh, for example we study fish teeth how the teeth is able to achieve uh, certain functionality but when you when 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 you look into that when you when you think you solve the problem oh this structure this particular structure um, um uh fulfills uh, or achieve this particular uh property right but then the question is how how that uh, structure is, uh, developed right how that particular structure is formed why uh you have a particular doping of a particular composition in in a certain area how is that achieved so there there are more questions uh keeping keep to, keep coming up so uh I would say that's that's always uh, 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 a good aspect uh, uh for, for this and it's always nice to uh, to keep asking the question and um and another good thing uh for this is um for this research I would say is um you, you can make a very good connections to uh to nature uh with um and it's also very good to inspire um, uh, young kids. I I have two uh, kids, uh, five and seven. Um, yeah, so it's they they always ask the question, right? So, uh, why this shell is, is this colored, right? So why this shell is, is 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 big or it has this certain shape, right? So. Uh, you can make a very good connections um uh, through those uh, those uh, natural materials uh w- with the kids um i think it, that's also um uh, a good uh, uh, very very nice aspect of, of of this research um yeah yeah in my opinion
0: Again, I, I found what you do very inspiring and I can also see how you are so passionate about what you're doing and that's something very admirable. I, I really enjoyed everything you said and it was very, very, very interesting. I don't know if you have any final words you'd like to say for people listening or the robotics community. Any final words you'd like to say? Um,
1: so, yeah, um, I'm I'm really uh, glad to be here uh, to share our work. Um, it's, it's, it's been very nice. Uh, yeah, um, I rarely uh usually our field, uh we uh we we' primarily in materials field right so we um either in environmentalization or bio materials or in materials in general um yeah so it's it's great to to interact with uh people from different uh, uh fields uh i'm in the mechanical engineering department we have a lot of uh robotics uh uh faculty in the department it's, it's always too um, nice to to talk to talk with them, um, so f- um, to to look at uh, how they make um, uh, a bound-inspired, let's say tails legs. Uh, it's very nice to see. Um, um, so yeah, um, it, it, I'm I'm very glad to be here. Um, I I would say um, the material the material uh, questions uh, in in robotics in software, but in my opinion. Um, can provide some some uh, advantages or some potential solutions. Uh, as always, for robotics, you, you, we always have the problem, right? So the um, how you control the, uh, I say, the, as we talked, the stiffness versus flexibility, right? So the uh, uh, and and other uh, other aspects, right? So nature definitely provides a lot of answers, potential answers. Um, how to make lightweight materials, right, uh, is important. I remember this when I talked to uh, uh, a professor who is a robotic expert. Uh, I asked him, uh, so in terms of materials uh, for robotics, what, what do you think the the, the most challenging uh, aspect? Uh, what kind of materials that you you like to have? Right. so the, the the first one that he, he the the professor mentioned was uh, lightweight materials um how do you make uh, a material lightweight uh, It's important right if you want to have a flying ro- robot. right um or you want to have a robot to 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 uh, to run fast so yeah um i would say it, it uh materials from nature definitely provides a lot of lessons um uh, uh for us to not only studying uh, to make new materials but uh, also the materials uh, on a system level to for uh, robots for for inspired robots um uh, um so yeah um very glad to be here uh, I, I I I'm really looking forward to 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 have more uh, I would say uh, interactions with uh, people uh, from for example robotics I think uh uh, perspective from, uh, uh, from different fields uh, is the key, right, so it is the key <coughs> diversity, uh, the diverse uh, perspective uh, to address a, a problem is, is the key to, uh, for, for successful uh, research.
0: Again, thanks so much. Thank It was such a pleasure and very, very inspiring to listen to you. Uh, really appreciate your time. Thanks thank so much.
1: Thank you, Marva. This is a great opportunity uh, for me as well uh, for 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 to 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 share our research to a broader uh, com- community. Um, so yeah, thank you for the for for this. Uh, it's it's very nice. Thank and you. also, I would say we should uh, thank you for 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 doing this uh, for for three for three years. Um, thank you. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I would definitely encourage um, uh, my students in my class to, 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 to go to your podcast. Uh, people, uh, uh, I think this is definitely nice to to hear different people talking about their research. I think this is nice.